Amen. Thank you, Slade and the group. Um, let me take this off real quick. It's one less wire I got to have on this morning. There we go. Okay, so um, if you're keeping score at home, this is the sixth and final week of the series that we've been doing over the summer. I can't believe it's been six weeks, and uh, it's this series that we're calling, or we called uniquely, and the idea behind it is, just to recap, is you are uniquely created and called and commissioned by God for meaning and purpose in life, life abundant, life eternal. Uh, you make a difference. You were created to make a difference. Just, just by being you, you make a difference. There's this little phrase that I've been saying, and I, I get to say it one more time today or a couple times today, uh, but I want you to hear this. This is true for you and for me and for all of us. We are created in God's image with sacred worth. We are called to new life in Christ by God's sacred word, and we are commissioned to God's sacred work through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what this series is about. In other words, you were created on purpose for a purpose. There's a quote by pastor uh, at Saddleback Church, Rick Warren, that I've been using every week, and I hope that uh, you can say it yourself now, and it goes like this. We are designed by God to make a difference for God. He calls this our shape. And I love it because uh, it's so true, and it's an acrostic. It stands for, you know, these different things. He says we're uniquely shaped to make a difference. Uh, we're shaped to serve and make a difference in the world. And, and shape stands for this. The S is spiritual gifts. So we've been uniquely given these spiritual gifts by God. H is heart, what we're, we're uniquely passionate about. Abilities is the A, what we're uniquely good at. P is personality, how we're uniquely wired. E is experience, what we've uniquely been through. And so uh, this last few weeks, we've been going through these different things. We've talked about how um, we, you've been uniquely presented with spiritual gifts, uniquely passioned with a heart, uniquely prepared with abilities. Last week, Lee talked about how we've been uniquely given a personality, and uh, today we're going to finish by talking about how we are uniquely positioned by our experiences. We're uniquely positioned with experience. And I want to start this morning by sharing with you uh, one of my experiences, something that has shaped my life, uh, not only when I was a kid, but also it's still shaping my life now as I experience it with my kids. And some of you may have heard me tell this before, but, but growing up every year on my birthday when I was a kid... Um, there was this centerpiece of our party. It was, it was what I would call the centerpiece of celebration. Every year, my dad would bake and decorate my birthday cake. And this was so special to me because my dad didn't do a lot of baking and decorating uh, during the year. But every year on my birthday, he would bake and decorate my birthday cake. And every year, it was so special, and it was this centerpiece of our celebration. One year, it was Pac-Man. Uh, one year, it was the Incredible Hulk. Uh, when I got older, it was things like, a, you know, a golf course. Uh, when, uh, when I turned 16, it was a car. When I turned 21, well, you get the picture, right? It's a, every year it was something different. Um, <laughs> so, um, so now I get to carry on this tradition with my kids. And so uh, starting at age three, uh, I started baking and decorating their birthday cakes. And uh, this was something that I had to learn how to do. And, um, and I'm still learning, but, but it's been a huge blessing. And I wanted to share with you this morning just a few pictures. These are my masterpieces slash centerpieces. Uh, over here, we've got Princess Leia on the right. On the left is uh, Paw Patrol, if y'all are aware of that. In the center, if you're Disney fans, that's Lilo and Stitch. Uh, then up there's uh, Disney Princesses, Barbie. That's a volcano for the dinosaur birthday. And then that little uh, thing on the right there is, if you uh, 
play Nintendo Switch. That's from Mario, Mario World or Mario Brothers, something like that. So anyways, uh, those are some of, the, some of my most recent creations, and I just wanted to share them with you today because it's been one of the greatest joys of my life to be able to see the smiles on their faces when that cake is complete, when I set it right in the middle of the table, and it's, it becomes the centerpiece of our celebration. And uh, the other thing, though, is the thing that they don't know is that one of the greatest challenges of my life is the process leading up to that, that finished product, right? Uh, what my kids don't see is the flour all over the floor and all over the counter and all over me. They don't see the melted butter that's exploded in the microwave. You've done that before, too, right? Okay, good. Uh, they don't see the cracked eggs. They don't see the spilled milk. They don't see the chunks of cake that stuck to the pan because I forgot to spray it. Now I have to fill it in with extra icing. They don't see any of that, right? All they see is the culmination of hours and hours of tribulation. They see this collection of cake and candles and decorations and deliciousness. What they don't see is, is all the blood, sweat, and tears that went into making it happen. I've got, I got a little more passionate about that than I thought I was going to. Thanks for listening. <laughs> but if you think about it, that's kind of like our experiences. And before I get into that part, I want to ask you this. Think about this for just a minute. What if I took all the ingredients from that birthday cake, all those things that go into making it, and I put them in separate containers, and I served them to my kids just like that? For their birthday what would that be like happy birthday here's here's a cup of flour how, how about a glass of milk or a cup of vegetable oil would, would you like to try a bowl of raw eggs or maybe a shot of vanilla extract how about a plate of of powdered sugar now other than that last one that would probably dis be disappointed right it wouldn't be near the the celebration that it was when you put all of those things together and here's my point a lot of times when it comes to our experiences, so often we see them as individual ingredients. But see, God sees them as part of this larger recipe, this, these larger pieces that God can use. God can use all of our experiences, the good, the bad, and the ugly, to make something beautiful out of our lives something that will be a blessing to others. Now, those experiences, they may taste a little bitter on their own. They may be pretty hard to swallow at times, but God can take those experiences and work his wonders to produce a masterpiece that becomes a centerpiece for celebrating his purpose. Do you believe that? Here's my little sticky phrase for today. Lee was teasing me about it last week. I always try to boil, down, boil it down into one simple thing maybe you can take with you, but this is what I came up with this week. God can take all those broken pieces of our experience and make them into a centerpiece of celebration. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, I want you to hear a passage of scripture today that I think uh, speaks to this in a powerful way. It's, it's a famous passage from Paul's letter to the Romans, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And in it, the apostle Paul is talking to the believers in Rome. And so he's helping them understand and interpret their experiences in light of God's providential presence and provision and power and purpose. And so he says this, this little phrase, I know you've probably heard it before, Romans 8, 28. Listen to what Paul says. He says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called 
according to his purpose. I want to spend this entire message really on this one verse because I think it's packed full of meaning and significance and because I think it's been picked apart and, and misused throughout the years. So I want to pick it apart a little bit this morning and, and highlight just a few parts of it, a few words that I think are very significant that will help us understand what I believe is the heart of this passage. The first word is this word, in. God works in all things. I want you to notice what it doesn't say first. It doesn't say that all things work out the way that I want them to, right? Sometimes we want it to say that, but that's not what it says, right? Sometimes we wish that's what it said, but that's not what it says. It doesn't say that God causes all things to happen, right? It says that God is working for good in all things. I think that's an important distinction to make. Um, and the reason why I think that is because sometimes I think uh, I hear people say things to other people when they're going through this some terrible experience. And even though I know it's, it's well-meaning and they're trying to help, and I've probably said it before too, sometimes we say things like, well, it's just God's will, right? It's just God's will that, that your loved one died. It's just God's will that you lost everything in that fire. It's, it's God's will that, that your husband left you. Now, this is just me, but, but I don't believe in a God that causes those things to happen. I believe that, that we live in a fallen world filled with fallen, broken people and we have the freedom to make good and bad decisions. And, and even beyond that, there are systems of evil and injustice in our world that shape and form our experiences every day. God has chosen to allow these things to happen because God has chosen not to make us puppets without free will. Does that make sense? But I do believe that God is working in all of those things to bring about good in a way that only God can. That, that brings me to the second word I want to want to focus on for just a minute. The second word I want to dig into is that word all. God works in all things. Do you know what that word all means in the original Greek? In English, it means all. It means every one of them, right? <laughs> every one of our experiences. God, there is not a single experience in our life that God is not working in for good. It doesn't mean that he caused it. It means that he cares about it. It means that he cares about you. And because he cares about you, he's caring for you right in the middle of that experience, as difficult and painful and messy as it may be. God is with you and God is for you. And I believe because God is with you and God is for you and God is able, he's going to take that experience and use it as an ingredient for the masterpiece that he's making in you. God can take all those broken pieces of our experience and make them into a centerpiece of celebration. In other words, God can take that bitter catastrophe and turn it into a beautiful cake. You may have experienced something crushing in your life, but, but God just might be cooking up something good in it. Not because he caused it or because he wanted it, but because he, he cares about you. God's taking all of your experiences, the sweet and the sour, the bitter and the broken, and he's working in those for good. You, you may not see it yet, but God's not finished with you yet. You may, it's, it's still, we're all still a work in progress. You may even feel like you've been poisoned by life, but, but God sees someone who is poised and uniquely positioned in life to be used by God to be a blessing to others. 
So God's going to use your life in ways that maybe you don't even know yet. Rick Warren says there's four ways that God uses our experiences to bless others. I want to share them with you this morning. The first one, he says, God uses our experiences to minister to others. Second Corinthians 1 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. Think about that for just a minute. Who can pray for someone who's going through a, a painful divorce better than someone who's already been through a painful divorce? Who can say to someone in their loneliness, God is with you, better than someone who's walked through a season of loneliness in their life? Who can say God will provide to someone who might be drowning in debt better than someone who's, who God has delivered from a, a dire financial situation? Who can say to someone with a rebellious child, this too shall pass, better than someone who's raised a rebellious child or, or who was a rebellious child themselves? Who can walk with someone through, through the valley of grief like someone who's already walked through that same valley? Does that make sense? God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. You might not know yet how, how God can use that experience in your life until you cross paths with someone going through a similar experience and suddenly you're the perfect person to share the love of Christ in a way that you've been uniquely positioned to be able to because of what you've experienced. Sometimes God uses our experiences to minister to others. Number two, God can use our experiences to motivate others. 1 John 1 says, we proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. So, so your faith in the face of fear and uncertainty might be just what someone else needs to see or hear to confirm what God's been encouraged in, in them or, or saying to them in their life in the midst of their fear and uncertainty. Your peace that surpasses understanding uh, right in the middle of all the plates that you're spinning in your life might be just the inspiration someone else needs to keep those plates spinning in their lives and maybe even find joy in the midst of it all. Sometimes God uses our experiences to motivate others and encourage them in their faith. Number three, God can use our experiences to model for others. Philippians 3, Paul says, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Have you ever had people in your life that, that had mo have modeled faith for you in such a way that it encourages you and you want to follow their example? I can name lots of folks in my life that have been models that poured into me and modeled what the faith looked. When I was young, I remember as a teenager, uh, those youth ministers and youth counselors that that modeled for me that you could be a Christian and still be young and cool or older and cool. Uh, and so that's what part of why I wanted to go into, uh, being, into youth ministry in my life. I, I never attained that part about being cool, uh, but I, I, I do hope that during my times as a youth pastor that I was able to share some of my experiences with folks that maybe went through similar experiences. Who are those people in your life? And maybe who are those people that, that now you're going to be that person for them? Uh, I believe that that happens at every age and stage of life. 
I remember in my ministry when I was transitioning from being a youth pastor and, and I, my role was more of an associate pastor, I, uh, I started um, serving on Sunday morning as, as the liturgist. And uh, in traditional worship, you know, the liturgist is the person who basically does all the parts of the service other than the sermon. So I would do the welcome and the, the pastoral prayer. I would uh, announce the hymns and I would do scripture readings and things of that nature. And I remember uh, it was a lot to keep up with. And so I remember being so nervous nervous uh, when I was doing that at first, and I tried to write down as much as I could, but, but there were so many weeks that, uh, or there was never, it was rarely a week that I didn't uh, stumble over a, a name in the Old Testament, or I forgot to have everybody sit down after a song, or uh, there were some steps leading up to the lectern, and uh, those are kind of hard to navigate sometimes when you're nervous and you're wearing a robe, and I thought you missed a few steps every, every couple of weeks, and uh, so uh, it was, it was uh, you know, it was always something. But I remember uh, one particular Sunday after the service was over, uh, this sweet lady came up to me and she smiled so sweetly at me and she said, I just love it when you're the liturgist in our worship services. And I said, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And then she looked at me and she said, you just make it look like anybody could get up there and do that. <laughs> and so, so I decided to take that as a compliment. And as a challenge, I decided to make that my life, my mission in life and ministry, to be a follower of Christ and a minister of the gospel in such a way that everyone feels like they could do it. And so that's been my, my, my hope and my ministry. Uh, and that brings me to the, the, the fourth and final one. God uses our experiences to minister to others. God uses our experiences to motivate others. God uses our experiences uh, to model for others. And God uses our experiences to mentor others. Paul says in Philippians 4, 9, whatever you've learned or heard or, or received from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Now, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, how sometimes God gives us opportunities to, to teach people that, that have similar abilities to ours, right? And I believe that same is true for God gives us opportunities to mentor others that may have similar experiences uh, to ours, good, bad, and ugly, right? Or people at ages and stages of lives that, that we've already been through. As I was thinking about that and reflecting on it, uh, this week, I thought about how grateful that my wife, Abby, and I are for those couples in our lives that have been married longer than we have that have been willing to share their experiences with us and kind of mentor us. Just uh, some with just the way that they uh, relate to one another, but some have taken time to, to speak into our relationship and share experiences from their relationships. Um, and when I meet with couples that are getting married, I'll often share experiences that, that Abby and I have shared in our life and in our marriage, with her permission, of course. Um, and then when we had kids, I, I remember those our church family being such a support, encouraging us and, and, and sharing their experiences and, and how they handled situations. There, there's a man that I'll never forget who had, uh, who had kids that were already grown and, and married themselves and had, had gone on. And, and he, used to, he used to say to me when I would share things that were going on, he would say, uh, little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. <laughs> and and, uh, and I've, I've learned the truth of that over and over again as my kids have, have gotten older and I know I'll continue to learn it. But it was just such a great example to me of someone willing to share real life situations and real life faith that encouraged me in my faith and in my relationships uh, to keep going forward. I think that's a, a powerful example of, of God working all of our experiences 
for good. It's also a powerful example of what we've been talking about, this idea of, of sharing life together. That's what that's all about. It's, it's about sharing our experiences of life together, the good, the bad, the ugly, allowing God to use them as we seek to grow in our relationship with God and our relationships with others. So, um, so this morning I want to close by just sharing with you a couple of real practical next steps that, that you may need to take this morning towards, towards trusting God and entrusting to God the, those unique experiences in your life. Now, I know that it's not easy, and I know that it's not simple, and I know that it's not instantaneous many times, and, and, and most of the time we need help with this. But I want to just share two, two next steps this morning, um, ways that God can use those experiences that, that you've been uniquely positioned with to share your life in Christ with others in a way that might bring about transformation, not only in their lives, but in your life as well. And the first one is this. We have to embrace our experiences. I love what the biblical character Joseph says to his brothers at the end of the book of Genesis. After all the, if you know anything about Joseph's story, he had a lot of, of good, bad, and ugly experiences in his life. And at the end of his life, he was, he was convinced that God had used all of them, all of his experiences, all that had happened, all that he had done, all that had been done to him for a greater good. And so he says in Genesis 50, 20, you intended it, he says this to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I read a quote this week by pastor and author John Maxwell. Uh, he talks about how uh, the old saying of or experience is the best teacher. He says, contrary to popular belief, experience is not the best teacher. Evaluated experience is the best teacher. In other words, it's not our experience, it's our response to that experience that makes all the difference and allows God to make a difference in our lives for the sake of others. Now, I wanna say this, embracing is not excusing, it's not escaping those experiences in our lives. Ultimately, it's entrusting those experiences fully and completely to the God who we believe is working in all things for good and saying to God, I trust you and I'm willing to entrust this to you and I'm willing to work together with you for the good that you wanna bring about in my life and in the lives of others. But to do that, we have to trust that we are truly loved by God and called according to his purpose as that passage says. And, and God's word reminds us of that, that we are truly loved, that we are truly called according to his unique purpose in our lives. And God wants to bring about transformation, not just in our lives, but in the lives of others in and through our unique experiences. We have to trust that God can redeem our failures, that God can heal our hurts, that God can use our strengths and successes, not for our glory, but for his and friends, once we're able to do that, once we're able to embrace those experiences and believe that God is working in all things for our good and for his glory, then we can do the second thing, which is allow God to employ our experiences. Paul says in Philippians, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. That's what it means to, to believe that, that God is employing your experiences for good. 
like Joseph, Paul was absolutely convinced that God was using every experience, the good, the bad, the ugly, the past, the present, and the future for one purpose, and that purpose was to advance the gospel, the good news of God's grace. And because he was sold out to that belief and that incredible truth, he was able to rejoice in every experience of his life. And not just that he was able to minister and motivate and model and mentor others to learn the secret of rejoicing in each and every experience because Paul knew that God was working in all things to advance the good news of God's grace. And the good news of God's grace itself testifies to this. The good news of God's grace is grounded in the truth that God took one of the most horrible experiences in human history, the cross of Christ, his one and only son, And did what? He literally made it the centerpiece of our celebration. The celebration of our faith. And you've heard me say it before, and I'll say it again. It's not just that it happened. It's that it happens all the time. It happens every time we allow God to use our experiences, our unique experiences, For his glory. When we do that, we experience what the Bible calls resurrection power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, the Bible says. So my question this morning is this. What's what's one step that you can take towards embracing your experiences and allowing God to employ them for the sake of of the gospel, the saving of many lives now and forever. Friends, the bottom line is this. God doesn't waste anything, and so neither should we. This morning, I want to invite you to give all those ingredients to God and see what centerpiece of celebration God can make out of your life. Remember, God can take all those broken pieces of our experience and make them into a centerpiece of celebration. So how are you going to let God work in your life today in and through those experiences? And you know, not just our experiences. I believe that even beyond that, you could look at this whole series as, as ingredients that make you, you. That, that God is working in all things you for good, your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experience, your shape is a combination that God wants to use for transformation, not just in your life, but in the lives of others for Christ and his kingdom. So so as this series comes to a close today, I, I want you to always remember this. If you don't remember anything else, remember you were created on purpose for a purpose. You were designed by God to make a difference for God. Nothing has been wasted, no failure or mistake. He's an artist and a potter. We're the canvas and the clay. We sang that. Do we believe that this morning? You've been uniquely presented with spiritual gifts, uniquely passioned with a heart, uniquely prepared with abilities, uniquely personed with personalities. That's not really a word. It's it's geographic. It's a... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Grammatically incorrect, but it's theologically true. You've been uniquely personed with a personality. You've been uniquely positioned with experience for life, abundant and eternal for, for our good and for God's glory, which is our greatest good. So friends, just remember this. We were created in God's image with sacred worth 
We are called to life, new life in Christ by God's sacred word. We're commissioned to God's sacred work through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Our worship team is going to come back up and uh, we're going to lead you in one more song. And I want to invite you not only to stand and, and, and sing these words of blessing with us, but I want to invite you to, to listen, to allow God to speak to your heart this morning. Uh, what does God want to do in you so that God can do through you? Would you be open to that this morning, to allow God to bless you so that you might be a blessing to others? Uh, before we sing, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word and your spirit that reminds us of who we are and whose we are and, and, and why we're here. Lord, we thank you for creating us on purpose for a purpose. We thank you that you have designed us to make a difference in this world. We thank you that you don't waste anything. We thank you that every part of us, you love and cherish and use to make something beautiful out of our lives and our life together. So Lord, let us offer ourselves to you today to trust you and to entrust to you all that we have and all that we are so that you might take it and do what only you can do. We love you. We thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.